Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. Whether you're a housing consumer, raider, builder, realtor, or appraiser, you want to hear more about the evolving trends in the home energy rating system. It's the goal of the Res Talk podcast to communicate some late-breaking news and thoughtful insights about a broad array of topics in this rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings. The Res Talk podcast is one of the best ways, the new ways, the resident is communicating with all stakeholders. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I've worked in the HVAC and building performance markets for almost 30 years and been interfacing with the team at ResNet for nearly that whole time. So after listening, if you like what you heard today and you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so by typing ResTalk into the podcast search bar of your favorite podcast app. That way you'll get all the new episodes as soon as they launch. Open communications, creative solutions, engaging dialogue, These are just a few of the qualities embodied by ResNet's QA team of Laura Leelam, Scott Doyle, and Billy Giblin, or the A-team as they're called by their colleagues. This podcast will get an interactive overview of the QA team's activities over the past year. Scott will explain some new pilot programs which incentivize quality assurance efforts. Laura will give insights into policy improvements, and Billy will talk about some of the infield visits he's made across different climate zones across the United States and learn of some of his choices for the best places to eat. Of course, Billy and Scott will wrap up the conversation by covering some of the valuable feedback received from providers during both face-to-face visits and online review meetings. So listen in here as Laurel, Scott, and Billy give you an overview of the QA team, or the A team as they like to call themselves. I want to first welcome you, and thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Bill. You're welcome. So you've had this QA team in place for a little while. So now that everything's kind of settled into the roles, how do you think things are going? And I'll just kind of go in order here and just get a reaction from each one of you. Let's start with Laurel, please. Of course, ladies first, always, right? Yeah, right, right. It's amazing, Bill. The QA team, that's what we call ourselves. There's actually a board member that has dubbed us the A team, which is funny. (laughs) You lost the Q. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we lost the Q. We're just the A team now. But we work so well together. It's just absolutely amazing. I think our creativity, we work on different projects, we draft different policies and things, and we go back and forth and we just work really well together. Scott has been on for a little bit longer than Billy. Billy came on mid-year last year and is doing all of our infield QA, which has been very well received. He'll be talking about that later. But for me, it's gone from just me to now a team of three, and I could not be any happier. That's fantastic to hear. So Billy, what's your reaction to that question? How are things going as you settle into your role? Thanks, Bill. Yeah, I'm enjoying it in a nutshell. It's going well. I'm really enjoying it. It is great working with Scott and Laurel, and I think we all bring complementary skills to the team and work well together through a lot of new initiatives that we're undertaking and trying to new things as well as existing things that we're trying to make better. And I'm enjoying the job itself and the company of ResNet and they've been here a year and a half and I'm really enjoying the field QA visits, which I'll talk more about later, but just getting to know more of the providers and raiders and QADs and the industry and a couple of conferences, just getting to know the people around the country and getting a sense of how things work in the ResNet world around the country, in different markets. And I'm real happy to be with ResNet. 
So switching over to you, Scott, being in the QA role and part of the A team here for a little bit longer than Billy, how are things going? What's your reaction to that? I would just echo what Laurel and Billy have said. I think we have a really high functioning team. It's been great having the addition of Billy. And I think our presence in field has made a big difference. It's giving us a lot of perspective on exactly how changes and standards are actually being implemented in the field. I think that addition has been really key. I just value both of them so much in my work, and I'm really glad I get a chance to work closely with them each and every week. So it's a real sort of human connection with the field back to the organization. I think that's what I hear you folks echoing here. So Scott, we'll stick with you and ask you the next question here. So the QA team is, what are you doing to amend and incentivize the quality assurance efforts to make sure these things happen and keep them rolling? Yeah, that's an interesting word you use there, incentivize. So for a little background, at the spring board meeting in 2019, our board of directors voted in favor of some proposed revisions. They were all aimed at improving effectiveness and efficiency of our QA program. There were five distinct initiatives. We'll touch on some of those during the podcast. The one I want to touch on here in my answer is incentivizing better quality through a performance-based approach. So that's a different way of looking at it. Essentially, the sentiment that we're getting from our board is find some ways to sort of reward the good behavior and incentivize people to do more than the bare minimum. So that has given us a really interesting opportunity to think about what are the best practices in our industry? What are the best things we see going on out there? And then creating a system for incentivizing folks to reach a little farther and do those things. And we think that stands a really strong chance of improving through voluntary participation, improving our overall QA program. Are there any brief examples or is it too early in this process to really talk about that? Yeah, it's a little early. We're pretty excited about the draft that we've put together. It hasn't been released yet to the public, but my expectation is that we'll have this draft together in the next few weeks, and hopefully it will go out to our stakeholders. Primarily, I think we're going to be seeking input from providers on this proposal so that essentially we have it gone through, we'll have gone through at least a good round of vetting before we put that proposal in front of our board of directors and ask them to vote on it. I got another question here for Laurel. Time is of the essence and time is something that everybody has so little of. What efforts are being made to improve policies, internal policies for rating providers and the tracking and reporting to sort of minimize that time burden for quality insurance activities? Absolutely. I had the opportunity to work with Scott and Billy. They did some of the annual report reviews this year, and that was the first time Billy had done any. So he really had brought a good, new, fresh perspective to my attention of the process of just us evaluating and going through each item that we were requiring in the annual report review. So after we completed our reviews or got close to completing them, we had a little powwow, a little A-team powwow. And what we decided to do was streamline the annual quality assurance checklist in several different ways. We eliminated three different items. Those are, you don't have to upload a rater agreement. We removed the item about sampling because we feel like that was going to be better captured on online review. So some of these things we're just going to shift from over from an annual report review requirement to what, when we do our evaluations online through a go-to meeting. That way they can show us the documents instead of having to submit all these files. And then we also 
consolidated and streamlined the checklist because there used to be multiple checklist templates. This was Billy's brilliant idea. There used to be all these different templates. There's one for Raiders and then there's this one and that one and calibration and stuff. So we streamlined it to where it's all on one Excel spreadsheet and when it just has different tabs. So that way people can just upload one file. And if they're tracking the quality assurance in the registry, they're basically done. So we feel like that is going to be a very popular topic. We're going to be doing our fourth quarter QAD training. Scott will be talking about QAD training in a little bit. But that's going to be one of the topic areas that we're going to cover and go, hey, check this out. Look at this. We've made your lives easier. So that's really exciting. And it was the fresh perspective. I've been doing this for many years and just kept the same templates and the same process. So it was great to have the perspective of Scott and Billy on this one. Fantastic. It it really echoes back to where we started off was you all are working together quite well and creatively and employing creativity and new, new thinking. So kudos to the group. Thank you. We're all sticking with you here. ResNet's implemented a pilot program in partnership with some utility programs and some participating ResNet providers. That's a lot of P's in one sentence. That is a lot of P's, <laughs> but you did very well, Bill. <laughs> and then I got two more. So how's the pilot program going? Yes, Perhaps. the pilot program, lots of P's. So we had a conversation like last year with ICF Consulting because they do quality assurance on ratings for their utility programs. And so we got chatting going, well, where's some synergy here? You guys are already going out and doing QA on these raters. Could it count? Could we do a pilot to consider it counting for our ResNet required QA? So that's what we are doing right now. We're going to do an end of the year evaluation. We have about 14 providers participating in the pilot program. We are getting some good feedback. So I think that it's been very well received and it's going well. We just need to make sure that the quality assurance that ICF is doing as part of their program is up to the ResNet standard, the gold standard that we want to try to maintain. But then we'll we'll do some evaluating. We'll see if we want to run it a little bit longer and then see if maybe we want to try to potentially open it up to different other utility incentive programs. And Billy, I don't want to put you out there, but I know that you went and did a field visit as part of one of your field visits with the folks that are doing QA for the program. So I don't know if you want to share anything about that. Yeah. One of my visits, I went to North Carolina and met with one of the QA field people with ICF. And it was great just to see his process and how it aligns with the ResNet QA process. And I was there to answer some of his questions and he was there to answer some of mine and give us a good sense of what's happening out there for them as we look to use their QA program for sake of the utility and use it to enhance ResNet's QA. It was great to meet them and use that as a beginning of our conversation and part of this present pilot to help make things better as we move through it. I'd like to add to that, Bill, when I can. One of the nice things that's come out from this utility QA pilot, and it was kind of unexpected, I suppose we should have thought about this as a real benefit, but it has opened the line of communication between the folks that are doing that utility QA and ResNet staff, I think it's a nice benefit that has come about is that when they get some pushback or they have something in their requirements or interpretations that is different than what the raters are hearing from ResNet, because we have a nice open line of communication with them now, they're able to reach out to us, hey, this has been our interpretation in the past, we're getting some pushback from raiders in our program, or we're not sure if we can enforce this. And it, it gives them a chance to check with our QA team and essentially make sure that they're making the right interpretations 
and they're keeping their program in alignment with ResNet standards. Makes a lot of sense. It seems like a win-win all the way around. Time saver as well as money saver and just a performance and quality enhancement. That's really great. Scott, sticking with you here for a second, you have an ongoing QAD training. What kind of content is including these trainings? How is the program really kind of, what are the core elements of it? How does it deployed? Yeah, so essentially this is also something that came out of a board policy directive and we've used the first two years of implementing that board policy. Their intent essentially is that ResNet needs to directly train and oversee quality assurance designees that hadn't been quite as clear in the past. Our one touch point for quality assurance designees in the past had been the required once a year roundtable. And then other than that, really QADs didn't necessarily hear from ResNet other than in some evaluation of their annual reports. In order to implement that board policy in a way that is cost-effective, we've been doing that via webinar. There's a possibility in the future we could do a live training. I think we'd be pretty excited about that. Logistically and cost-wise, it poses some difficulties. But so far, we've been doing quarterly webinars. I thought they went pretty well the first year. I think we got our feet under us, and we have a little bit better idea of how we want those to go. But essentially, we're covering things that are timely. So if there are standard changes that we think quality assurance designees need to be aware of for their job, or in many ways, we utilize the quality assurance designees to help make sure that raters are aware of standard changes. A couple of examples this year, we used one of our quarterly webinars to go through the details of a new remote quality assurance protocol. So we had an addendum or an amendment to our quality assurance standards that will be effective on January 1st of 2020. And one of the things that it allows under certain circumstances is for remote quality assurance monitoring. And there was not a lot of definition in the standard. It essentially just referred to a ResNet protocol. So that put the onus on our team to essentially draft that protocol. And we're utilizing the required quarterly webinars as a way to make sure we get the message out and we go through essentially a training on how to implement that protocol. Another example would be our field and file quality assurance checklist. In the past, there wasn't a single checklist that was required by QADs. And so we had different people using different things. And in order to get some consistency, we're going to be requiring a ResNet field and file quality assurance checklist. So everybody's checking exactly the same things as part of the protocol. So we've done webinars basically going through the details of how to use that. Sounds like a fantastic feedback loop in addition to just deploying the information, the training, you're getting a lot of feedback on the content itself. Well, when speaking of feedback, we learn a lot in the field and through my online quality assurance calls. Sometimes those things we identify are the need for interpretations or just to make sure we clarify to everyone what something in the standard means. Sometimes that requires formal interpretation or even a change to the standards. And sometimes we have to refer things to other committees like the software consistency because we learn about something in the field we wouldn't have known otherwise. So it really has been a good feedback loop all the way around. The webinars are really just giving us at least four times a year when we get in front of that audience and make sure that we communicate those things. That's a really good program, really good practice. Each one of you sort of have a, is a major segment of the whole QA process that you work on. And I believe, Billy, yours is in field visits. How are they going this year? 
They've been going well. We actually were able to finish up our last field visits last week, actually, which is ahead of what was last year. Last year, we had to, ended up doing field visits in mid-December because we kind of got a, a hurricane and us had double booked a trip to the, the southeast last year. So we had to redo it into December. So this year, we were lucky to get things done in a more timely manner and Mother Nature didn't block any of our trips from happening. So um, we were able to go to new locations around the country from Massachusetts to North Carolina, Ohio, New York, and then New Mexico, Texas, West Texas, and Minnesota and Chicago area, Kansas City, Idaho. We were able to get into some new areas, which we're going to try to do each year so that we're making sure that we are getting a good idea of what's happening around the country each year. So that was good to meet some new providers, new QADs and new raiders and new to me, at least a lot of these folks and uh, spend time seeing how things are done in these different markets and these different climate zones. Really interesting. And we've been getting a lot of good feedback from people. One of the reasons that we go out here is to have a face-to-face conversation and give people an opportunity to give us feedback, constructive and positive feedback, things that we can bring back to Resna and work through and disperse the information to the right people and and try to affect change on the things that, especially things that seem to be more trends. We're going to get feedback that we keep hearing. It helps us realize this is something that really needs more attention. Sure. When you get face-to-face with someone, then I think a lot more clarity of understanding can happen in many cases. You're commanding attention. Yeah. And when I get feedback from someone in the Southeast and I'm meeting with someone in the Lake States and someone else in the Northeast and Southwest with similar feedback, it points to more of a system thing that we, that, that resident needs to look at. And that's been real helpful this year. Some trends I've seen have been improvements in certain best practices in the way things are understood and done in the field now, based on some of the things we found in 2018 and through the QAD quarterly webinars and the roundtables, we were able to educate QADs and providers, and they went back and educated their raiders. We're seeing things done more along the way that we're learning about, and then we spread that information. It's helping create the consistency that we're after. So that's been exciting to see kind of that kind of progress across the country. Sure. So here's a fun question. You've done a lot of traveling, a lot of different cuisines out there. What was your favorite food that you had? Oh, man, that's a good one. The one that comes to mind was just in El Paso area. Just a little Mexican restaurant on a little you know, like strip mall type plaza, very undescript, nondescript. And I don't think they took credit cards. I can't remember. Real small. And it was amazing. The food was amazing. Just extremely authentic and ex- a lot of variety and tasted great. Awesome. Awesome. That was probably my favorite. <laughs> well, I got you, Billy. Last year, we talked about this. You said you're getting a lot of valuable feedback during the infield visits. Any new feedback this year? Any kind of changes? I mean, you talked about just a couple minutes ago about a couple of things. Anything really outstanding with changes in feedback that you're getting? Definitely. We're getting, probably thematically, we're getting feedback that folks are, it's often really valuable to be meeting with a QED and a radiator at the same time. Sometimes they're from the same company. Sometimes it's a, a different company that the provider oversees a different rating company. But we get this in different types of companies or different types of arrangements between the provider and the raider, say, but we're hearing a lot that sometimes the standards may be adding rigor that may not necessarily be in the best interest of 
the industry in the long run or resonant in the long run or the rater where people are having to where more rigor is added to the rating or the QA in a way that it starts to drive up costs and drive up things that may in some instances push a builder away and say, well, I'm not interested in hers ratings anymore. So it's basically, we're getting a lot of good feedback that's said in different ways. It's helping us realize, you know, what is our real intent here? And what are the things we can do to add value without adding burden? If we're going to drive the cost, if the cost is going to go up, the value has to go with it. And so that's kind of a general way of saying it. And it's different though, around the country, different markets. In some markets, this is more of an issue and more of a it may be driving down the demand for HERS ratings, but in other parts of the country, we don't get maybe that exact same feedback because HERS ratings are so well established there that they don't have maybe the same issue with the cost problem. And there's plenty of rating companies and providers that through the history of Resna have pushed for this added rigor through the public comment process and the committees and, and the board. A lot of those folks are our rating companies and providers. But generally, it's been good feedback for us to get some of the things that a couple specifics I'll just touch on are like the multi-point blower door testing versus the single point blower door testing, the value of accurately modeling window overhangs or not, the value of blind QA versus ride-along QA, photos, taking photos versus not taking photos and how many. So there's so many different models of how people do things. And for some people, they've already been doing it this way they had moved to these types of things a long time ago. It's not a thing for other people. They don't, and they have reasons for not moving that way. So it's been great to be talking about this more and more. Yeah, to see it firsthand uh, gives you better ability to articulate it, especially back to staff and the executive staff and the board. And we're talking to Cardiz and Steve, and these are conversations that we'll probably go to the board at some point. And one thing with the standard process, we're trying to really recommend to people, like make public comments. When these things go out, I know we're all busy and it's hard to keep track of the standards and well, public comment periods and get your comment in, or it may just seem like, oh, no one's going to read it anyways. But these comments do matter and they are read and they're considered. It's kind of like not voting. If you don't vote, well, then you didn't vote. So you don't much say what <laughs> happened. You, know, you have the freedom to not vote and you have the freedom to not make comments. But making a comment, is your chance to have a say. And making a comment that doesn't get acted upon doesn't necessarily mean that the process doesn't work or won't work for you again the next time. So we're we're really encouraging people to make public, to participate in the standards process and to file amendments if they really feel like something's an issue that they are welcome to submit a standard amendment. Yeah. In order to perform, it's got to be a machine, but it's their machine. It's everyone's machine that's involved in the system. So like you said, commentary is very important. So let me give Scott a chance to feedback on the kind of feedback he's seen throughout the year. One of the things that Billy and I felt pretty strongly about was that we should solicit that feedback, even outside of quality assurance and the technical things that we normally would be conversating about when we're in the field with a QAD or raters. Or on the phone with providers and QADs. And so we solicit feedback on all kinds of things about the organization, anything that they would like Resna to hear. And really what that does is we're giving people a chance to complain to us. So I hope people understand that it's more than just an opportunity to kind of vent. Um, we do compile those comments and we do plan to share them. I've shared them already internally across teams. Aside from just what we're compiling for the executive director, I suspect that at some point 
he will see things that he needs to take all the way up to the board level. It also gives us an opportunity, though, to help talk through the way our system works. It's still, even though it feels to me and to our team, I suppose, like it's pretty clear, I think it's still a mystery to a lot of folks because they don't live in kind of the world of ResNet day-to-day. They're in homes day-to-day. They're serving builder clients or homeowner clients day-to-day. And so it does give us an opportunity to have conversations that help them more clearly understand the way change happens, who initiated some of these changes, who should they get to to try to initiate a new change. In many cases, policies have been driven by the board of directors as a response to some perceived threat or competition to our organization. And ultimately, the decisions that are getting made at that level are intended to be in the best interest of the organization and basically to the rating world. So sometimes those have unintended consequences, though, and I I feel like it's Billy and my responsibility and Laurel's responsibility to take the feedback that we're hearing and make sure that if it's having real consequences to people's businesses, that their complaints don't just go unfounded, that they go somewhere. So we're making sure that we pass those things on up the chain, even if they're not quality assurance related. Excellent. And I will also say, going back to the standards development process, you hit the nail on the head, Bill. It is everybody's standard, right? They have to use it. They have to know it, et cetera. But if there's an opportunity to not only submit a standard amendment, to comment on something that's out for public comment, but there's also an opportunity to serve. We sent out an email, I don't know, a month, a couple weeks ago, because we have a vacancy on our SDC 300, which is our technical SDC standards development committee. So we're asking for volunteers. We'd love to have volunteers on all of our working groups. That's where a lot of the work gets done is in the subcommittees and in the working groups. So there's a form on the website. You can always email me if you can't find it. It's on our standards page, but you can volunteer to be on a working group or a committee. And so participate. If you want your voice heard and you want to make change, then just participate. There's opportunities for you. And it's a very open invitation. This is for real. And I know these people personally, this is for real, this invitation for people that are listening. You served on a committee yourself. That's right. That's right. We talk about communication. We talk about creativity, ideas coming together to sort of bring this back around. What's the best way to get in touch with you folks individually, or would you like it to go to some central location? Just give some point of contact we could share with the listeners. I mean, you can certainly send it to us individually. Do you want to just say your emails? Sure, absolutely. Mine is laurel, L-A-U-R-E-L, at resnet.us. Okay. Mine is scott at resnet.us. As you might have guessed by now, mine is billy, B-I-L-L-Y, at resnet.us. Thank you. All right. Guys, keep it pretty simple here. This is nice. So any closing thoughts? We've covered a lot of ground in this conversation about so the changes, the update, the growth, the enhancement of the QA process with the A team here. Any members of the A team want to shout out here? A couple of closing thoughts? Well, I am certainly excited about the year ahead. As Scott spoke about, the incentive, doing the incentives for quality assurance is a very exciting program and policy that we are developing. I'm excited to get that out to get providers having feedback and just continuing to work with these guys and continuing to make improvements. I feel like we're doing that every day, every year, every month. So we'll just keep on keeping on. Yeah, I just want to say I appreciate all the time that quality assurance designees and in some cases, raters and providers have given us. It does take time out of their day 
to work with us and this enhanced QA. I know that they're feeling like they're getting a lot more time and attention from us. Some of that might feel like a good thing. Some of that might feel like a burden, but we do recognize that um, that takes time out of your day. But hopefully you can see that there's a lot of value in it, both to us and usually at the end of my online QA reviews, I can sense that there's some value in both directions. So I just wanted to express that I appreciate the time that folks have dedicated to it. That's a perfect way to end with a thank you back to your constituents. That's great. Thank you for the time that people are making for these field visits and and the follow-up phone calls and sometimes the travel people are doing as well as the effort. And appreciate everyone's time. I appreciate everyone's engagement and feedback and just knowledge. And it has been great to have this two-way conversation. People in general are saying one common piece of feedback I'm hearing is that they're happy to see more of a presence out in the field and and more just dialogue between ResNet and them. And so we're really happy to be part of that and looking forward to the holidays and then the conference. And next year, a lot of good changes are coming. So I'm really looking ahead and really excited about it. Well, great. And for anyone who's not aware, the conference is coming up in February 2020. You'll hear this episode before then, and you'll get a chance to meet these fine individuals, Laurel, Scott, and Billy, in person at the conference. So I want to thank you for listening in to the Res Talk podcast. And thank you, Scott, Laurel, and Billy, for your contributions to the organization. And we look forward to having you back again, listeners back again, to listen to the Res Talk podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Bill. Great job as always. Enjoy your help. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast. If you're a pro in the building community, surf on over to www.resnet.us/professional to learn more or to join the email list. You can also find Resnet on Facebook or Twitter, resnet.us. Here's a quote for the day. Of course, I have a plan, but it's not a secret. Well, actually, that's a modified quote from John Hannibal Smith from the A-Team, tracing back to the QA team that we talked with today in the podcast episode. And of course, they do have a plan, and it is not a secret, and they're sharing it with you, which is all about what the Res Talk podcast is all about. If you're interested in feeding back to ResNet and what you heard here today, or what you would like to hear in a new topic covered, or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. As always, thank you for listening to the Res Talk Podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn, produced by Brian Orr, and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for Res Talk. If you are willing, A review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on Res Talk. Mm -hmm.